Hi, this is Susie Quattro, and you're listening to Andy Fox on The Rock Show. Rock and roll queen Susie Quattro celebrates 50 years plus in the business. 
She taught herself to play bass. She was discovered by Mickey Mouse, signing her to his label, Rack Records. Her second single, Can the Can, written by Nicky Chin and Mike Chapman, went on to uh, reach number one in 1973. And they went on to write a string of hits for Susie, including 48 Crash, Daytona Demon, and the million-selling Devil Gate Drive, a number one in 1974. Susie continued to make albums with eight more top 20 hits in the 70s and had several hits in Australia. She also got involved in acting, appearing in Happy Days, Minder, Dempsey and Makepeace, Absolutely Fabulous and Midsummer Murders. However, she's continued to make music and tour the world and was the subject of an official documentary film in 2019 called Susie Q. She's made two excellent rock albums recently, 2019's No Control and The Devil in Me in 2021. And prior to her recent headline show at the Royal Albert Hall, I caught up with Susie for a bit of a chat and firstly reminded her about her 50-year career. (laughs) 58 years. It's amazing when I say it. But I, I did start at 14. You know, I'm 71. I started at 14. I mean, wow, forever. It's been a lifetime. And you've sold over 55 million records worldwide, uh, made 18 albums from 73 to 2021. And can I tell you something? I, one of the first singles I ever bought was Devilgate Drive. <laughs> I hear that a lot, but Devilgate Drive was, it wasn't the first one, Can the Can no, was, but Devilgate Drive was one of those rare singles that uh, is able to capture and did capture the party mood. You know, not contrived. You just want to get up and dance. That's what that song is. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a great song. Um, you're playing the Royal Albert Hall. Is it actually your first time there as a headliner? I, I've never played there before. And I'm doing my solo two-hour show, which I've been doing for the past five years. Right. Yes, it's my first time playing there. Been there many times, never played this. So this is a real, a real dream come true for me. Have you never even gotten up and guested or anything? No? Oh, I've played there... God, what have I done there? I've done a couple of big Christmas specials with a lot of people and different things, but not not with my solo show, no. But yeah. I've been there many times to the venue. Um, there's a few guests coming up who I don't want to say because then it spoils the surprise. Okay. But it, it is my two-hour solo show with an interval, and basically you get entertained. You get you get the whole life plus the music, you know? So yeah. it's a real good show. Well, it's hell of a career, isn't it? Like I said, and coinciding with the gig, I hear there's a new box set featuring the first six albums, 73 to 79, uh, DVDs, Top of the Pops performance, music videos, and a concert in Japan in 75. That sounds a bit special. That is a bit special. It's called Rockbox. And um, in fact, when it was just on pre-sales, it went to the top of the Amazon charts on pre-sales. My God. <laughs> How good is that? I was really pleased about that. Yeah, a lot of effort's been put into it. There's lots of bonus tracks and, like you said, a DVD. And I've really had a lot released. I mean, I had my documentary out in the end of 2019, Suzy Q, which also went to the top top of the Amazon charts. Yeah, all over the world. Uh, it's been on Skyards, I think, approximately six times already. That's being dramatized now, so my life will be made into a film. Um, I had the Elk Mountain. 219 and the next one 221 the devil in me uh i had two books released in 220 um, 220 221 i've got the rock box box set and there's another box set coming out in about a month um and i'm working on an ep 
for right. American release right. uh, just to pave the way for 2023 when outcoming then is a duet album, a duet album that I did with my friend Katie Tunstall. So it'll be Sizzle. Oh, okay. Katie Tunstall, 2023. It's a great album. But the this um, uh, six-track CD is going to bridge the gap. Yeah. And then do it all come out and then after that i will then do my next album which will be number 19 i believe god katie's a big fan of yours isn't she she is and i didn't know it until i saw i was i always said in interviews oh i like her i think she's good and um i saw a pre-cut of my documentary you know and they send it to me for notes and do you want anything out or da 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 and i went oh oh i didn't know she liked me so one thing led to another. Next thing we were meeting. Next thing we were writing together. We became very good friends. She'd come here and stay. We'd sit on the carpet in there and write songs and talk and write and talk and write. And it just turned into this most marvelous album. I don't know how we did it, but we found a space in between my style and her style. And we met somewhere here. I played it for my husband, who is Mr. Critique. Yeah. Just how, And he's a German critique, which makes it even harsher. Um, <laughs> It's just in their nature, you know, they don't sugarcoat. Yeah. And he listened to it all. First thing he said was, oh, what a surprising blend of your voices. And, you know, you can't, um, you can't know that's going to happen. No. It just happened. Yeah. So I guess we like each other. And then when it was finished, he was quiet. And I said, and what do you think? And he went, because English is not his first language. He said, I'm looking for the right word. And I said, quality and he said that's the word uh, is it is it all original songs and this all duo? original nice okay. written everything and it just happened we did i guess like like the american company is putting it out he said um what he liked about it was that a lot of times you get collaborations and it sounds contrived oh let's yeah. make some money here he said this is friends i said yes mm. sure is we went the distance
just going back to the to the rock box as it were the first album which is the first thing on the rock box from 73 of course followed the massive hit of can the can and it featured of course your version of all shook up which i believe that elvis really loved he did and because you always said and i've seen this on several interviews and documentaries you wanted to be the female Elvis, and fair play, I think you achieved it. I don't do gender, I have to say that. Okay. The funniest part about it is, I mean, I am obviously a girl, but a woman, um, or whatever you want to call it. Emotionally, I'm seven. Age-wise, I'm 71. That's what I'm always told. Okay. When I first saw Elvis Presley at five and a half on TV, and I had my little light bulb moment, and I never forgot it, I watched him on the TV, and I said, I'm going to do that. And I swear to God, it never occurred to me that he was a guy and I was a girl. So that wasn't even in my head. I just wanted to be Elvis. I, I didn't care, you know, and I've never even called myself a a female musician. Okay. I'm just a musician. Not that I'm not, I am, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't define it that way. Yeah, I'm yeah. just a musician. Yeah, of course. I appreciate that. Um, didn't he invite you to Graceland? He did. It was 1974 and All Shook Up was out in America as a single. And it was making some noise and I was in uh, Memphis. We were on tour. I had my English band back in the in the States with me. So that was my first time touring with hits and my English band instead of my American side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the phone rang in the hotel room and it was first of all Elvis's people. And they said, Oh, uh, Susie Quattro. I said, Yes, they said, We have somebody on the phone for you. And he got on the line. I nearly died. And he just said that, like, I needed to hear it. Uh, this is Elvis Presley. Like, you know, you don't know, you know. And <laughs> he said, um, I've heard your version of All Shook Up. And I think it's the best since my own. And I would like you to come to Graceland while you're in town. Amazing. And I then said, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I did. But the reason, and everybody wants to know why. Um, I, w I wasn't nervous to meet him. I just didn't want to meet him yet because I wanted to have more than one year of hits under my belt. I wanted yeah. to meet him more, a little bit more on an equal standing, you know, yeah. so, but I didn't know I wasn't going to get the chance. I mean, three years later he was dead, but um, he has remained on my shoulder my entire career, right cool. from, I have like nine or 10 epiphanies, you know, too long to go into, but uh, yeah, he's always been here and he's the reason I do what I do. Brilliant. Um, now, I mentioned that Devil Gate Drive was another massive number one for you. It was on your second album in 74. But uh, one interesting thing about that album, and again, it's on the rock box, is there was a track called Angel Flight that Mickey Most um, wouldn't include. Now, I hear that that's a great track. Okay, so I'm my second album in, so you've established who you are. And uh, my ex and I, writing away, writing away, we come up with this epic angel flight almost in the queen mold you know but wait it was before queen had done what they did i heard kind of that bohemian, i heard that kind of our bohemian rhapsody yeah. and uh it was it's amazing what an amazing track and mickey here's what happened we were in mickey's office at rack and mickey was playing some european record bosses who are going to put the record out the second album they were in his office and he was playing him a few cuts there are about five or six of them playing a few samples of my next album and Angel Flight came on, and they all went, what? That's not Susie Quattro. So Mickey got nervous and didn't include it. And my ex has always said, if it had come out when it should have done, 
it would have changed people's perception of me as an artist. And he's probably right. Still, at least it's being discovered now. It hasn't been wasted. And mm. I do say everything happens for a reason. So maybe mm. Mickey was right in hindsight. Who knows? Maybe mm. I had to really cement who Susie Quattro was before I went off the deep end like that. I don't know. Lenny reckons it was, it was a mistake and maybe it was. Who knows? I'm definitely rock. I'm rock and roll. Yeah. And the only reason, even Mike Chapman says on my documentary, he said it right out. Susie's not glam. I was never glam either. I didn't dress up like a woman. I, I would tomboy. And the only reason I got lumped into that phraseology is because I started having hits in the glam era. Of course, yeah, so that's what I meant, really, the, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I was the opposite of glam. I was yeah. never glam, you yeah, know? Yeah. The, guy, the A lot of the guy bands were, but I was really, really seriously based in your genuine rock and roll sound. That was who I was. But yeah. they tie me in with that period because I began. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you knew Susie gave you a great big US hit, Slumbling In, and the, the great track, If You Can't Give Me Love, I, I love that track. That's a, that's a stormer, yeah, it's a great track. And no doubt these will be featured in the Royal Albert Hall show, of course. Oh my God. Well, they have to be. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not one of those artists, and I, and I just can't understand it. 
You hear artists say, oh, I don't want to do that hit again. You idiot, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I mean, those hits are what the people love. So I make sure you get your favorite album tracks, you get everything is in the show. I would never leave out one of my hits to the people. I wouldn't do it. No, fair play. I wouldn't like it. If I go to see an artist, sure, I want everything, but I, I want the big hits. That's what you go to hear, you know? Yeah. Sure. So yes, you'll hear them all. <laughs> cool. Coming right up, right up to date, uh, there's a couple more recent songs that I've been playing on my show. Um, no soul, no control, and uh, the the devil in me and the devil in me track. Uh, I sold my soul today. Oh, I love that. That's just I do too. And I tell you what's funny. I I have a good instinct for what songs are going to end up on the stage. Well, I've done it for a long time. All those three you mentioned have ended up on the stage. No Soul, No Control is probably the most, it's the most me of anything I've ever written. I wrote that with my son. But lyrically, it's just who I am. The Devil in Me, love that track. What a great riff my son came up with. Great riff. And um, I sold my soul today. Funny enough, I, I put it on the stage. I did not know it was going to be the stormer it became on stage. My husband, again, the critique, he watches the show from out front and he said, wow, that I sold my soul today. That is magic. Apparently it takes on a different flavor on stage yeah, yeah. and it becomes like really, you know, you're really punching at home. So I didn't know that was going to happen. I knew it would go on the set, but I didn't know the effect it was going to have. It's a great song. It's a great song. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask you briefly about your acting, if you don't mind. Um, sure. did, did you enjoy it as much as the music or not really? I love acting. And okay. it would be, you know, if I couldn't go on stage and perform, I'd die. But I, I think acting is pretty close up there. Um, I've loved everything I've done. Yeah. I, I find acting comes quite naturally to me. So, yes, I like it. I'd like to do more. I've done quite a bit, but I'd like to do more. What was your favorite role? Oh, God. Well, Happy Days is just, just fun. People, you know? loved, people loved you in that. Oh, they did. I got the, I didn't know this till a couple of years after I'd finished doing the show. And I went back to say hello to everybody at Paramount. And the secretary pulled me aside and she said, something they didn't tell you. I said, what? She said, you got the second most fan mail after the fans. I went, what? <laughs> so that was a popular character. Yeah, yeah. Really. And um, I liked all the roles. I liked uh, I liked the evilness of um, Dempsey and Makepeace, where I played a little bit of a woman unhinged. You know, I liked it that I could make my eyes go dead, you know. Um, I liked Midsummer Murders. That was fun. Annie, they get your gun. Me. What about that one? Which one? The one in Annie, get your gun. Oh, musicals. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. I stepped into Ethel Merman's shoes. I mean, those are big shoes to fill. Loved every night of that. I played Tallulah Bankhead as well on one I wrote about Tallulah Who with Riddy Rushton and Shirley Roden. And yeah. I played Tallulah Fantastic. Um, I was in Ab Fab. Um, yeah, I've done a bit of everything. I'm now about to publish my sixth book. Blimey. What do you say when you can't pretend? How do you sway when you cannot bear? I saw my soul Behind enemy lines Been disconnected too many times So 
one other thing that, that always strikes me about you is the influence you've had on 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 bands you know particularly and i'm sorry to have to genderize it but they, no, you do, they but they've okay. said this uh tina weymouth from the talking heads uh the runaways joan jett i mean you know a lot of people say joan jett must have taken influence from susie you, she says it herself in the documentary yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. oh my god she in fact even lita ford from the runaways comes out on the on susie q and she says we had to even dye Joan's hair. She just looked exactly like Susie and even was copying her the way she was. Yeah, Joan would be the first to tell you. She and, was probably my biggest fan. And do you know this this girl in Hailstorm, Lizzie Hale? Yes. Because she is, uh, you, you know, she, I've I've interviewed her and she said Joan Jett and I mentioned to her you and she said, oh, yes. She said, oh, yes. Susie was a big influence on Joan, and therefore it's translated to me. So it's still going on. Yeah, sure, it's going on. In fact, I'll tell you a real quick story about that. I went to the, um, the premiere in England of Susie Q, my documentary, is at the Regent Theatre. And, of course, you have to wait till the film's over, and then you go on stage, you do the question and answer. And I hadn't seen it with an audience before, and I really wanted to. So I snuck in and stood on the side. Hopefully nobody could see me, but they could. But I just said, shh, shh, let me watch. I'm watching. Now, that's an experience. You are feeling what they're feeling and you're watching it as an audience, you know? And all these girls coming on, everybody, everybody famous, Debbie, Joan, Lita, Cherie, um, Katie Tunstall, uh, Kathy Valentine, uh, uh, Tina Weymouth, all of them coming on and saying, if we hadn't seen her, if she hadn't opened that door, none of us would be doing what we're doing. And I started to cry and it really affected me. It humbled me. And I went, I got home the next day and I called my friend, Cherie Curry. She's become a good friend of mine. And I, I, told sure. her, I, yeah, I love her. I had, I told her the story. And then I said, um, I have to say something, Cherie. I've just discovered something. And she said, what? And I said that by me doing what I did, I gave women all over the world the opportunity to be different. And there was a big pause. And she said, and you just got that? <laughs> it's a great line, great line. And what, what I like about that story is, first of all, I'll take that to my grave because it humbles me. But second of all, it's refreshing that I actually didn't have an agenda. Mm. I wasn't out there to prove anything. I no. actually was being me and I didn't know it was going to have that effect. So that's, that's nice. That's nice to know that I was able to do that. Yeah, Hooray yeah. for me. <laughs> but I always ask my interviewees towards the end of the interview about their highs and lows in their career. And I mean, there must be many of those in, in your career. Do you want to um, give me a couple maybe of, of what you would say? I mean, obviously, the the time when you know you got Elvis on the phone, which was pretty cool. Yeah, sure, that's pretty high. Um, I mean, there's so many of them. Um, I mean, Go, your first your first number one is amazing. Um, yeah, can the can that was a great song, wasn't it? Yeah, I got a phone call. We were living in a little top floor bed sit in somebody's home, and the phone rang downstairs. And the lady with kids, she answered. She said, "Susie, told me about eight o'clock in the morning," and it was Mickey Most. I said, God, Mickey, what are you calling so early for? And he said, um, don't you have a gig in Bristol tonight? I said, yeah. In fact, we're leaving soon. He said, no, you're not. I said, why not? He said, well, we're going to have to rent you a plane. And I said, why? I didn't like to fly. He said, don't argue. You have to take a plane to the gig. I said, why? 
He said, because you're going to be on top of the pops because you're number one. Oh, amazing. The scream that went up from my mouth. <laughs> I screamed. So that was pretty special. Champagne arriving from the record company. Everybody calling you, getting mobbed at the pub. Fantastic. Uh, Do you attribute Mickey to a lot of that early, those early days? Did you attribute his influence or his help? Well, he was very much, we were real close, Mickey and I. He was like a father figure to me. And although he wasn't, he couldn't get me on record. That's why Chin and Chapman came in. Mike Chapman got me. Mickey got me. He just couldn't record me properly. And he was the first one to say it after about a year of trying. He okay. just couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. But Mike, Mike came in and went, well, that's who she is. You know, he got it. Um, we were very close. Mickey wasn't my manager, but I could discuss anything with him. Cool. In fact, and I did. In fact, Mickey said one time, oh, somebody said, I was in the room with him. Do you tell Susie what to do? And Mickey said, nobody tells Susie anything. He said, you can suggest strongly. <laughs> so yeah. can I suggest strongly? That I'll hear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, after the Albert Hall, you are doing some festivals across the summer, aren't you, in Europe? I'm doing a lot of European gigs starting in May. I think we're pretty busy all the way through the year. And I'm going to Australia at the end of the year for my 38th tour down under. Amazing. Yeah. You do very well down there, don't you? They love it. You love, they love they, you. Yeah, they always have done. I've always had a lot of a lot of fans down there. Yeah, for thirty eight tours, it speaks for itself. Well, Susie, good luck with the gig. And, Thank you. And also the box set.
Somewhat uh, slightly different interview for the rock show, Susie Quattro, but it was an honour to talk to her, and yes, she does rock. Uh, the tracks we played in the interview, Devilgate Drive was classic tracking, and then in the bulk of the interview, 48 Crash, If You Can't Give Me Love, I Sold My Soul Today from the recent album, uh, The Devil In Me, and Can The Can, of course, her first number one single. 